happy moment. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Kaiju Groupie Podcast. I am your host, Michael, better known around these parts as the Kaiju Groupie. And today, I have a really great episode for you guys. I sat down with yet another very good friend of mine, Eric Neely, co-host of the Monsters vs. Men podcast. And this episode I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Eric is a fantastic guy. He's a fantastic host on his own show. And he has a whole lot to say uh, during our conversation that I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy. Uh, but before we get into all that, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping and read another Apple podcast review. Uh, this review comes in from Grattan, uh, co-host of the Giant Monster BS podcast. The title of the review reads, Kind of Addictive. And the review reads like this. This is a really great podcast. It's about loving Godzilla and being friends, which is a fantastic concept. Michael is an absolute professional and charismatic host. The show is all about positivity, and it's great to hear how these people can bond over their interests. Michael go Michael does a great job at making these discussions while keeping the spotlight on each guest. Within two or three episodes, this has become one of my favorite current podcasts. I'm excited to see this show continue. Grattan, Giant Monster BS, five stars. Well, thank you so much, Grattan. It was a blast working with you guys on your show. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, doing that episode for, with you guys a few weeks ago, and I look forward to what you guys come up with in the future. So before we get started, uh, I just want to share a quick thought that during this conversation, both Eric and I got a little bit personal. We talked about sort of our, our life growing up. We talked about how we both came into this fandom at different times in our life and what this fandom actually means to us um, as people. Uh, Eric, I uh, quoted, I, I spoke about early on earlier today on Twitter before I started recording this intro. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation with Eric because it's fascinating how he has come to appreciate and enjoy these films that we all, that we all love. Um, and he's able to do so without the baggage of nostalgia. And we did touch a little bit on nostalgia, uh, especially my nostalgia for these films, because uh, as you guys already know, I've kind of grew up as a uh, Godzilla and uh, a Kaiju fan throughout my life. And so it was really interesting to speak with Eric about how he didn't necessarily have that experience and how as an older man in his, as an old, it makes, it makes him sound really old, doesn't it? Um, as a man in his thirties, like me, uh, how he has grown to love and appreciate these films later in life. Uh, through the podcast and through just interacting with this community. And you can hear the sincerity in Eric's voice. You can hear the empathy in his voice and you can hear really the love for this community in Eric's voice too. Uh, and I think that this conversation is going to be super important for everyone to listen to. Uh, there's a lot of information to take away from this conversation and I'm really looking forward to you guys listening to it. 
Uh, but before we head into all that, I do want to mention that uh, the uh, my audio, I was having some technical difficulties when recording this episode, and we did our best. Uh, I enlisted the help of a friend of mine, David, from the Kaiju Apostle podcast to uh, help me correct some of the audio. We did the best we could. Um, it doesn't sound terrible, but I do kind of sound like I'm in a tin can. Um so ultimately, I admit that was user error on my part. I do apologize. But as per the usual, Eric always sounds stellar and he always and he sounds absolutely wonderful in this episode as well. So I hope you guys will enjoy it. I hope you guys will take something away from it. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. And we're back, and with me, I have my good friend and the brains behind <laughs> the Monsters vs. Men podcast, Eric Neely. Eric, how are you doing, good sir? I, I am not doing too bad. Thank you for uh, introducing me as the brains of the Monsters vs. Men podcast, Michael. I joke about this sometimes. Honestly, it is 100% a joint effort between me and Alex, but... If, if someone is the brains, I'm happy to consider myself the brains and he can be the bronze. I don't even know if I consider Alex the bronze. <laughs> he, he can be a pushover at times. We'll, we'll say that. Yeah. I, I influence I, him. I influence him. And then he gives in to my opinions and my ways. I, I, I can see that because you just have that way about you to where you're able to convince practically anybody. Uh, that your opinion is always right. <laughs> but before we get into all of that, uh, Eric, please take a few minutes and let everyone who does not already know who you are, uh, basically just who you are, yeah. what you do. And uh, yeah, let's go well, from there. Sure. My name is Eric and I am an English teacher from Kentucky. <laughs> um <laughs> I started a podcast, and this is how Michael knows me. I started a podcast with my friend Alex, who has been a friend of mine since college. Um, we started a podcast about a year ago called Monsters vs. Men, where we cover kaiju films, one movie at a time, one series at a time, and, and try to talk about them in some new and interesting ways. I'm a complete newbie to kaiju films uh, to monster films. I had seen before our podcast, I had seen Godzilla 2014, Godzilla 98, and the original uh, Godzilla 1954. But other than that, I had not seen a giant monster movie. Now, what I brought to the, the, the podcast was I consider myself a cinephile. And for most other people, they just call me a film snob, which is completely fine. I get it. Uh, there is there is this tendency to call anyone that likes, you know, highbrow films, you could call them snobbish. And I get that. Uh, but that's the angle that I bring in. Whereas Alex, he is the fanboy. Um, he had seen all the Godzilla films before and, and loved just about every single one of them. Um, so we have an interesting dynamic there on the show. But honestly, I, I have loved getting to know more and more people and I've loved getting to know these films over the course of the past year. It's certainly been a fun ride and a great journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, there are a lot of 
podcasts out there that have uh, a, a host co-host sort of dynamic where one is the diehard fan and then one is the noob, right? Yeah. Um, there's a ton of those out there, but what I find the most interesting about what you guys have done or what you, what has, what I have seen and what I've heard to, to some degree, is it fair to say, Eric, that you're becoming just as diehard a fan as even Alex in probably even more so in some cases? I, I think that is fair. Um, I mean, <laughs> in some, some films I love, more than Alex does at this point. And in some ways, like I am, am going even deeper <laughs> into things. Um, mm-hmm. I was really the first to kind of dive into the Ultra series. Mm-hmm. I was diving into Ultra Q uh, earlier this year just because as we were watching these Godzilla movies each week, I needed something to supplement my Kaiju fix. <laughs> so I dove into Ultra Q as that supplement. And then Alex decided, you know, I need to jump in as well. So we've both been working our way through Ultraman. But yeah, I think at this point, honestly, like now we're in our Gamera series. And to be honest, I've I've enjoyed Gamera overall, I think more than Alex has. So I, I've become kind of a fanboy in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's in... And one of the reasons why I, I was looking forward to this conversation the most is because uh, up to this point, I've had uh, some a lot of folks on that have had some connection to these films in, mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us came into this fandom as a child. You know, we have a lot of nostalgia for it, but you don't have that. Right. And I find that super interesting as a 30 something year old adult. You've <laughs> been able to uh, critically look at these films in a way that maybe a lot of us can't because a lot of us, it's safe to say that a lot of us, you know, look at some of these films, you know, with a very nostalgic eye. Well, that's the goal, I think. And, um, you know, I think hopefully I bring a little bit of that perspective. And I also, I hope I bring a little bit of my kind of film snobbery perspective (laughs) as well. (laughs) As an English major English and, and Spanish literature, double major mm-hmm. in, in college. I think that kind of helped me or not helped me. It, it forced me to become a bit of a snob though. Alex mm-hmm. was an English major as well. He just didn't ever care about it. He work. was, hang yeah, on, hang he, on. He was, <laughs> yeah, but he just, he never cared about any of his work. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> this, is the, this is the guy who would procrastinate to turn a paper in, you know, like an hour beforehand. And he still did real, he still did good on his papers, of course, but <laughs> he wasn't a serious, I, I was, a, I was like the nerdy English major. You know, you've got the English majors that <laughs> become English majors because th- they just need a degree, you know? Mm-hmm. And then right. you have the nerdy, like literature heavy English majors. And that was me. <laughs> so that that's how I, I kind of entered into my snob academic zone. Um, but yeah, I don't have that nostalgia going into these films. But what I have found really interesting is that I think what I think it is, is I think it's the campiness of these films, um, especially the campiness I find in the Showa era Godzilla films that after I've watched them, and I've stepped away from them, even for a couple of weeks, 
I start looking back on the ones that I wasn't as fond of initially. I start to look back on those and rethink them immediately. It's almost as if even though I've only been exposed to some of these films for less than a year, I'm already starting to feel nostalgic or that sense of nostalgia for some of those films, especially those Showa era films, uh, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh man, there, you, you're, you're, you're touching on something that's really, it's really fascinating to me. And so I'll ask you, Yeah, has, has viewing these films in a more critical light affected you, affected the way you view other films outside of the genre? Or mm. was it the other films you watched outside of the genre that affected these films for you? So I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like initially it's the films that I watched outside of the genre that mm. affected my initial viewings of the films. But <laughs> as I start watching other films today, um, and I like start trying to dabble my toes back into mm-hmm. some films that I was watching or some types of films that I was watching before we started this podcast. Sometimes I, I start to think, you know, this needs a little bit more campiness. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to take itself a little bit less seriously. Right. Um, and I think it is that Godzilla tinted influence Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm bringing into it. And it's just, I, I've been so exposed to these films over a year now uh, that I can't help but see other films in that sort of light. And, and, it, and that's an issue. Whenever I start to see a film and I'm comparing it automatically, then then that brings the film down a little bit for me. But it also tells me like, maybe maybe I was uh, just, just looking at this certain film uh, too highly because mm-hmm. it was supposed to be artsy or supposed to be prestigious or, mm. you know, supposed to win all these awards and not just look at it for, all right, what is this film? How is this film entertaining me right now? <laughs> Which right. is what a, a good Godzilla film does. It entertains me. It takes me uh, to, to places in my imagination that I didn't know existed. Mm. And it really, it just, it just keeps me in that moment. It's something that I can return back to um, and enjoy for how sincere they feel. Um, I'm thinking of films like uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. Right. <laughs> Mothra versus Godzilla has a ton of those campy moments, but I just love the way I can watch that film and it just makes me feel comfortable uh, in its sincerity, mm-hmm. if that makes any sort of sense. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And so I was sitting here thinking when you were saying all that, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, is there, is there a film that you guys have covered or you've watched uh, in the past that you revisit the most often? Cause I know you, you alluded to needing that giant monster fix now because you now okay. watch Ultraman, right? So is there a film that you have revisited just for the pure enjoyment? I would say, um, <laughs> I would say terror of Mecha Godzilla is the film that I have returned to That's the fair. most. Uh, I love Terror of Mechagodzilla and I love Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Um, honestly, another one I would throw in there would be Ebra, Horror of the Deep. Uh, those Interesting. Three, okay. Those three are the ones that I've returned to most just because of how fun they are, <laughs> how right. off the wall they are. Right. Uh, Jun Fukuda for all his flack that he might receive whenever you're comparing him to Honda 
if Akuda made a fun film, right? Like he could make a film fun. <laughs> and and I think that is demonstrated, especially in Ebra Horror of the Deep. And I think Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is Fukuda's best. These two films, though, what they do is they 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 give us characters that are fully alive. They give us scenarios that, though they're off the wall, have color to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, he, and they really just make us feel comfortable re-watching over and over again. So those those are the three. They go beyond the um, uh, what a lot of us in the fan base like to call monster wrestling. Yeah. So they, 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 you, in these, in the films that you laid out there, I can think of interesting characters, an interesting storyline, uh, lots of, especially with Terror and Mechagodzilla. There's a lot, more, mm-hmm. I would argue there's a lot more quality action in Terror and Mechagodzilla than Mechagodzilla 74. Yeah. Um, and I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah and you, I would, I would, I would say in general, like, Still watching these films, it's mm-hmm. not it's not the monster action mm-hmm. that gets me. It's really not because right. uh, you don't I have don't that nostalgia for that. I don't have that nostalgia for that, but I also just I don't know. It's that's that's not the part that's the most interesting to me. The part that's really interesting is the relationships between the characters, and I know mm-hmm. that sounds a little bit cheesy in a sense. But what I mean is, is do I do I almost feel a sense of camaraderie? with the characters themselves. One, one film that I overlooked the first time watching through with Alex was Son of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Son of Godzilla, from a film snob's perspective, is a piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, from, from, a, from a fan perspective, I can, yeah, I've and, heard and several many, people say it's a piece of trash. Yeah, and from many fans' perspective, it is a piece of trash. And, and to be fair to it, and to be fair to those people, Manila, I can see people really hating on Manila. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he does look like a giant turd, uh, <laughs> and it's such a it's such an interesting direction that that the the series goes in at that point. However, yeah, so you have Goro Maki, and he inter interplays so well with the crew, and, and he also has uh, what what what's her name again? The relationship with what's her name? Uh, Rico. Rico, Rico, yeah, Rico in Son of Godzilla. Rico is an interesting character because she's playing. I would never think I would say this, but but Son of Godzilla uh, is Shakespearean in a sense <laughs> because oh uh, in Tempest, in the Tempest, you've got Prospero, and Prospero has this daughter Ariel, and and that's the same scenario that Rico finds herself in. She finds herself in the Ariel scenario. Uh, from the Tempest, which is just a funny little connection there. But uh-huh. honestly, Son of Godzilla is a super fun adventure film where if you can just take the humor as like this slapstick sitcom sort of humor, you're going to have a really good time with it. Don't take it too seriously. And I think you'll be fine. Yeah, I think because the the, the franchise is going through sort of an evolution at that point. You know, Godzilla was becoming less popular. Uh, at mm-hmm. least the the version of Godzilla that we were seeing so far, like the very serious nuclear message Godzilla, that was becoming yeah. less popular. And at the time, I want to say, in see, Godzilla, Godzilla was 67, so at that time you had uh, Gamera versus Gauss. And Gamera was being known for uh, more kid-friendly. So I want to say that maybe even Toho saw that 
because I th- if I'm not mistaken, Gamera versus Gauss was one of the more successful of the Showa era Gamera films. Mm-hmm. And so Toho wanted to replicate that and they wanted to uh, uh, pull the attention of a younger audience, a more family conscious, uh, a, a more family conscious audience. Mm-hmm. And for some, you know, a lot of people in the fan base don't care for that. You know, there, there's a division among the fandom where yeah. it's, you want nuclear destroyer Godzilla, or do you want superhero family friendly Godzilla? And right. you see that you see that transition sort of sort of take place in Son of Godzilla, where he begins to then become, you know, he gets the bad bot, and you mm-hmm. get Manila <laughs> or you get Minya, and then you get that transition into more superhero version uh, of Godzilla. Well, can. can- can I ask you a question about sure. nostalgia, sure. Michael? I, I know it's your podcast here, but now I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Go ahead. When it comes to you and your nostalgia uh, for Godzilla, where does that come from? Who introduced you really to Godzilla? And, and what films do you think rely most heavily on your nostalgia for them? <sighs> okay. So my story with Godzilla comes from I was eight years old. And I watched uh, a marathon on television, uh, the marathon that a lot of folks talk about on T on the mm-hmm. old TNT network. My f- and the the connection, the nostalgic connection I have with Godzilla was my it was literally my parents. My parents introduced me to it because my my dad. Um, let me back up just for a second because I was like a lot of kids at that age, six, seven, eight years old big in the dinosaurs, right? I, I thought I wanted to be uh, an archaeologist, uh, which I learned, which I later learned was wrong. It was, I wanted to be a paleontologist, not an archaeologist. Um, and that kind of came from the fact that my dad living here in West Virginia, and you're familiar with this by with, from living in Kentucky, we have a lot of coal miners. And so growing up, I made the connection in my mind that my dad was an archaeologist because he dug up rocks. At least that's that's the the very primitive connection I made in my mind as a child, right? Um, so that played a little bit into it. Um, my I my huh, man, um, my first exposure. My 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 nostalgia comes from being this kid growing up. And I'm getting, I'm going to get a little bit personal and say that I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, right? I, I was sort of the, the, I was sort of the, the kid that didn't really make friends well. Let's just say that, you know, I was very shy. I was very quiet, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so to me, you know, Godzilla, Harryhausen, uh, and some of the other, some of these other science fiction fantasy films were an escape for me. And so, I dove really deep into that stuff as a kid and, you know, it was really my parents who, who fostered that through me because they saw, they saw sort of the joy that I got from it and sort of the creativity I got from it. You know, me playing in the backyard with dress, like I made my own uh, Godzilla spines, my own Godzilla dorsal plates and my own tail and stuff like that out of cardboard. And they saw sort of the creativity that yeah. that this franchise brought out in me right and so mm-hmm. they they fostered that even more you know they fed it they they really indulged me in that 
And that is, a mem- and those are memories that I'll have forever because, my, you know, my parents are since gone now. You know, I, I lost both my parents in the last couple of years. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've dove so deep into this fandom is because of that nostalgia and those memories uh, because they just bring, they bring me back to a very good place in my life where there wasn't a whole lot of, um, there wasn't a whole lot of chaos and there wasn't, I was a little bit more carefree. You know, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, we, we can both agree that 2020 has not been kind to hardly anyone. Uh, and so it's sort of just an escape. That's what Godzilla was to me. And, um, Sorry, I said all that, and now I can't even remember the latter part of your question. What was it? Well, my, my, my latter part of my question was, which, which film do you think has been most heavily influenced by your nostalgia, like your view on it? Uh, well, it's not, the most, it's not the most popular film, but Raids Again. My earliest yeah. memory uh, of Godzilla was Raids Again. Um, I remember watching... TNT or AMC. I can't remember now at this point what channel it was on. It was one of the Turner networks, I think. And seeing yeah. that film come on and all I saw on in the TV guide uh, back when that was a thing was Gigantus the Fire Monster, which was the American title. Um, and so that sounded really intriguing to me because like I said, I was a huge fan of dinosaurs. I was a huge fan already of of Harryhausen, and he did a lot of dinosaur films like Valley yeah. of Guanji, Twenty Million, uh, uh, The Beast from Twenty Thousand Phantoms, and, and so on. And so that film probably is the one that I that I have the fondest memories of because it's it's one of my first. It's the ones that I it's the one I have the earliest memories of. Um, probably the one that I have the deepest connection to, though. I would say. Uh, uh, it had it had to be Ghidorah the three-headed monster because I remember sitting on my dad's lap on the couch while he recorded that film for me and just being in awe of what I was seeing on screen. Now, did you so really, Michael, did you kind of has it been just in the past couple of years that as an adult you've kind of dived back into this fan base then? Since 2014. 2014. Yeah was the was the first was the first little itch I got uh for being back into the fandom because you know we I saw 98 in theaters and I liked it um I later sort of grew out of love with it to be kind um and we hadn't had any Godzilla films or any real kaiju films not counting Pacific Rim, but any like what I would view as traditional kaiju films, like the stuff that, that I saw as a child. Um, mm-hmm. We hadn't had a whole lot of that at that point. Right. And so yeah. when the trailers started hitting for Godzilla 2014, I got so excited. And then um, I remember, I remember um, talking, I remember watching the trailer and uh, at the time I wasn't married and I was sitting in my room and my mom walks in and she says, what are you watching? What is this? And I said, Oh, it's the trailer for the new Godzilla movie. And then, um, and then that spun into an hour plus long conversation about my, about me being a kid and her memories of me as a child liking this stuff. Right. 
And so that's how I got started. Now, I didn't get real ingrained into the fandom. I've been really deep into it maybe for a little over a year. I started diving a little bit deeper into the Facebook groups. I started kind of digging around on Twitter. And that's how I met um, That's how I met Travis, uh, then David, and then you guys. And it's just sort of, it's just sort of snowballed from there. Yeah. Now I like, I like what you say about how when, when you were a kid, your, your parents fostered this creativity within you through the Godzilla film. Sure. And, you know, I think, I think lots of times our parents do that, uh, when they sense that we need it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like my, my parents, did the same thing mm-hmm. for me. Uh, but it wasn't Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. It was uh, any type of film. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have like Friday movie nights where we would always sit down, uh, have some popcorn, make some homemade popcorn and watch movies. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I, I fell in love with film. It was through my parents, through watching. And not just, we wouldn't just watch like the latest like kids animated film. We'd watch anything. <laughs> We'd watch anything. Uh, and that's that's honestly what started my love for film from a very young age. Yeah. Um, I can, I can I mean, get on board with that because um, – I'm sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I can get yeah. on board with that because in my house growing up, um, my dad – all he loved Westerns, right? So yeah. John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, all of those guys – uh, were playing in my house. Uh, and, and I began, I, I grew to appreciate older films at a very young age. Uh, but I got exposed to, uh, Gone with the Wind, Dances with Wolves, uh, Dirty Harry, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, you know, just some really, (laughs) really awesome films at a very early age. And I think that that, that, helped me appreciate some of these films now because to me, they're not just guys in rubber suits. Mm -hmm. They're not just guys in rubber suits. They're not just cheesy uh, pyrotechnics. They're not. They're to me now as a 33, as a 33 year old man, I see what the screen, what the screenplay, the screenplay writers and the directors and the score writers and the actors and actresses are trying the stories that they're trying to tell through yeah. these what what has what has been written off in the past as just silly nonsense. And I think that's exactly the thing, Michael. Right? Is is as you and as I have has have kind of exposed myself to more and more of these films. I think there's a tendency that when we dive deeper into a subject, that sometimes it's easier to become cynical, right? To become, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, feel a little hollow towards the subject that we're kind of exploring. But for some reason, whatever it may be, with kaiju films and kaiju media in general. Mm -hmm. The more that I have studied and watched these films, the more I find myself in awe and in wonder at how these films were actually made and put together. The more I marvel 
at the craft mm-hmm. of the filmmakers, of the special effects directors, of, of the cinematography. Mm-hmm. And the more in general that I'm just impressed that these films have this sense of comfort, as I said uh, earlier, that they bring to them. It, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to ma- manage that tone. Mm-hmm. But so many of these older Godzilla films do manage that tone in a way that that makes me again feel feel that sense of of comfort and nostalgia with them. Yeah, it's it's com- it's definitely comfort food. Definitely comfort food yeah. for a lot of us. How has sort of the dynamics in your home changed a little bit since one starting a podcast with your best friend and mm-hmm. watching films that probably um, at least for my wife are viewed as silly. So how and it helps that you have kids too. So I know Theo has really enjoyed all this. Uh, but how has the dynamics in your house changed a little bit at when, by starting to get more involved in this fandom? To be fair, Michael, the um, my, my wife's not a cinephile. She's not a film snob. Mm-hmm. She was not in any way, shape, or form an English major. Sure. <laughs> and she doesn't – she's not big into film in general. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like – the amount of time I, I spent watching other types of film, I, I wouldn't watch many other films with her in general. It's kind of just a hobby of mine sure. um, already. So that part of it hasn't changed. Of course, there's there's a night every single week that I block off that I do my podcast with Alex. And there's also prep time that it takes to actually watch the film and we take we try to take some some notes and and really think about the films that we're doing and, and put some work into effort in, into it. Um, but honestly, I, it's been fun mainly in my family because of just how on board everybody has been. Uh, Neely, she knows when I do something. That's my wife. Uh, she knows when I do something. I throw myself into mm-hmm. it. I don't do anything half ass. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well. Um, And that doesn't mean I'm going to be impatient by it. That doesn't mean I'm going to um, try to force something that's not there. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to put care and craft Mm -hmm. into the specific thing that I'm working on. (laughs) And I may not be the best in every aspect. I'm definitely not. I've leaned on you, actually, Michael, for for certain things. Um, and I've leaned on Alex for certain things yeah. um, that are not my expertise, but I, I, I want to do when I do something, I want to do it well. And honestly, I have a family that's very supportive of that. So they've been great along this journey. Has has this uh, has being involved in this fandom and involved with the podcast uh, changed you in any significant way? Well, Honestly, I think it's. I honestly think it's been really good for me, um, and I think lots of people, when they look at the fandom, and this might be because they've been a part of other fandoms. I don't know. I, I see all the time online people just bashing Godzilla fandom, and I get it. Like there are people in the Godzilla fandom that seem like jerks and seem like bigots, and and they may be. Honestly, I I, I don't know most of these people, and I think I think the internet is just it can be a very hostile and um, context killing place. <laughs> um, but I think the fandom overall has been great for me. Um, during this pandemic, I have been really 
hold up with with my family. We've taken it pretty seriously. And honestly, it's been the connections that I've made within the community that has allowed me to man- maintain friendships, just to be to be blunt. Um, and, and I've enjoyed these friendships. Some of these friendships that I've made in the community have been better than the friendships that I have with my coworkers, with the people that I work with, um, with some friends, the close friends that I had uh, in high school, in college, right? Some of these people I've gotten to know on completely deeper levels. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the things, and, and just to get real and a little personal with you for a second, one of the things this fandom has offered to me is community. Um, I had a couple years ago, I've had kind of a shape, uh, a shape. I've had a perspective shift in kind of my spiritual and religious views. Um, and I lost a lot of my community uh, and a lot of my close friends because of that shift. And the Godzilla community and just, just this community that we've kind of built through our podcast has really offered me friendship where I may not have had that on that level before. And at the very least, it's offered me an excuse to talk with Alex, a, a longtime friend, uh, every single week, which has been great. Right, right. Um, no, I, I, I totally get it. I 100% get where you're coming from because if it was not for if it was not for the friendships that I've made uh, with guys like you know, Travis, you, Alex, David, Nathan, and some others, I don't know how I would have remained sane, honestly. Uh, now, granted, we've been pretty blessed, uh, Lisa and I, Lisa and my wife, uh, we've been pretty blessed in the fact that she, she works the healthcare field. She works at one of the major hospitals here in the area. Uh, so she's been busy. I have the opportunity to work from home um, for a creative agency. Uh, we do a lot of marketing for you know small businesses, nonprofits, and so they're always. I, I've been staying busy, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's also made me very empathetic to to people that that don't have those opportunities. They're just basically hold up. They're held up in their homes with no outlet to to express to either express themselves or engage in a community and i think that some of the shifts that you're seeing within this community um are are coming from a place of maybe a little bit of frustration right Mm -hmm. uh people have been held up for so long uh the last few months and people are frustrated right but it's also yeah given us an opportunity to sort of band together um, and communicate more with each other. I, I communicate more with people on Twitter like you and Alex and some others than I do with my own family members. Yeah. And, and honestly, most of the time it's not, it's not my friend's fault. No, it's, <laughs> it's, not. it's no. I'm not, I'm not always the best at, at reaching out myself, but uh yeah, I, I, I've noticed the same thing. It's really these people that I've kind of collaborated mm-hmm. with in a sense to, to help build this little community um, that we've kind of created together. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this podcasting community, really, um, that, that's been really neat to see how it's evolved even in the past, you know, six months. Yeah, it's a weird thing, really. 
if you if you step outside of if you step outside of it a little bit and you think to yourself, okay, so this is a fandom about a giant about a guy in a giant lizard suit. Yeah. And then you think about it for a second and then you question whether or not you still whether you're being whether you're insane for even sticking around. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's not the thing. Yeah. That's the that's 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 the key. Yeah. Right? Is it's not the object of attention itself right. that's actually the most important. Right. And that's it's it's the friendships and the connections that we yeah. build. But no, you're right. It's 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 this it's such a weird thing that we've built these these friendships around such a a very niche thing, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's odd. It's really odd. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay, so I, I I lost my train of thought there. So you just kind of give me just a second. <clears throat> Good. So I, I want to touch on a little bit in a little bit more detail the process that you go through when you mm-hmm. evaluate some of these films, like what are the, what are the key things that you're looking for when say Alex says, Hey, we're doing X film this week. Walk us through a little bit of your process and see what does that look like when you're prepping for an episode? Okay. So it, it starts by watching the film first time through without taking any sort of notes and just trying to have an experience with the film, right? Try to act, I actually try to turn my like analytical brain off as much as possible mm-hmm. that first time that I'm watching it. And I do that because I, I want to experience this film as I would if I wasn't on a podcast. <laughs> I just want to see, will I enjoy this film without having to analyze it and overthink it mm-hmm. a little bit? Um, but then I go in a second time and that second time I'm, I'm looking for it. Well, it depends on on the type of movie that it is. Right. But I'm looking for a certain mixture of ingredients that I think make a good Kaiju film. I'm also looking for a film that is um, that's going to balance its tones. Well, so, so a film that at times though, it may be like really serious. It can be comedic. And, and it doesn't feel out of place. I'm also, as you know, if you've listened to our podcast before, which I know you've, you, I thank you for listening to, to all of our Once episodes. or twice. Once or twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for, uh, for our podcast, I'm looking for those standout moments that we use for our awards. So we talk about, you know, our coolest character award, our, Oh, that's a good shot award. I can't believe the acting award, standout effect award, and most memorable line award. Uh, so I'm looking for those as well. And then when it comes to making like a final evaluation of a film, and our films uh, and our evaluations and our ratings are in no way, shape, or form <laughs> definitive, though we like to joke that they are. Right. <laughs> um, we 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 take a look at everything that makes up a film. Right, we take a look at the soundtrack, cinematography, acting, but then there's also that intangible aspect that a director can bring um, that, that can add to a score, that personal aspect as well. Actually, um, there's something I could run by you. You, you might think this is interesting. Okay. Um, whenever we're doing a podcast, we actually um, – we actually, at least for me, I try to go by – 
these five like criticism credos yeah. um, of a film. And so, you, would you like me to run these by sure. you real quick? I want I want to know what you think I, about these. I, so, I, I'm, I'll be honored to uh, I'll be honored <laughs> to do that for you. I've I've never I've never I haven't really shared these with anybody, but I think I think this is kind of what we try to do on our podcast. And and the first one is is this: it's be willing to enter into dialogue with those that disagree with you. You will never learn until you do, right? right? Um, and, And so, like when it comes to our podcast, Alex and I may disagree, uh, but we're willing to enter that dialogue. And and honestly, I think this is the thing that. Alex and I sometimes find ourselves surprised that we get to the end of an episode and our opinions are not that far off from each other. <laughs> we, we went into the podcast thinking we would have pretty opposing um, views on these movies because we do, mm-hmm. honestly, on other movies. We, we really are kind of opposites. But I think what happens is we end up having a true dialogue where we are open and willing to learn from each other. And so our opinions change a little bit based off each other's perspective, and we end up arriving at very similar places. Right. Do you see I, that? I, I can see that, yes. <laughs> uh, the number two one was try to be as unbiased as possible in your criticism, but always acknowledge that it's impossible to avoid bias completely. And so that's, that's the other angle that we want to take a look at is Alex – has seen these films lots of times. He's seen these films multiple times before. He does bring that nostalgia to sure. it. And that's okay. Right, that's okay. Right. He's going to try to be as unbiased as possible. But at the same time, he knows that he is bringing some nostalgia mm-hmm. to it. And he knows that he's bringing some bias to it. And that's fine, right? Um, number three is never moralize your position. There may be a moral reason to like or dislike something, but that should never be made the rule for everyone. And I say this one because sometimes you hear like online, you hear like if you if you like this movie, you are fill in the blank, <laughs> right? Or if you don't like this movie, you are fill in the blank. And it's like we're trying to moralize our opinions towards mm-hmm. media, our opinions towards art. And, and to me, like you can enjoy something. You can even like think it has something to offer without – fully being on board with its messaging, right? <laughs> I think that's okay. That's okay sometimes. And we should never demean people for liking or disliking something. No, absolutely not. No, I think that's, yeah. that's probably four. one of the, yeah, yeah. that's probably one of the, the worst uh, quote unquote sins of the fandom right now is if, if you say I like, uh, let's say, all monsters attack. I've grown to personally appreciate yeah. all monsters attack. You don't care much for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I said that to the right person or a wrong person, however you want to look at it, I would be ostracized for that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, I've seen people take extreme positions. Like you like all monsters attack, you support bullying right. <laughs> or like, yeah. or like, um, you like Shin Godzilla, you uh, support Japanese nationalism. <laughs> uh, I I just don't I don't go that far in my criticism, right? Um, there's just so much more, so much more context to it 
nothing in film criticism and our film enjoyment is ever that black and white. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because there's the one thing that I really enjoy, particularly about Godzilla films, especially the Showa era Godzilla films, there's a lot of nuance to them. Like there's, there is a lot of, there's yeah. a lot more layers than what people like to give them credit for. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, my number four credo was always backup viewpoints, especially critical ones with evidence. So if you're going to, if you're going to be critical towards a movie, and I think this is pretty evident in our, we just, we're, we're finished up our Showa era Gamera films on our podcast. And so we just watched, uh, <laughs> Gamera Super Monster, which has to be probably the most uh, lambasted Gamera film of all time, and and it's it's just hated. Like it's, it seems to be universally hated uh, online uh, from the fans that I see, and I I just I don't see it. I don't think it's I don't think that's fair. And most of the time, the conversation goes along the lines of Gamera Super Monster sucks because. It sucks, right? <laughs> there, there's no real evidence to back up, right? Because then it becomes um, when it, something then it becomes up. just when you start using language like like non-descriptive language, like "oh, it just sucks" or "I hate it." That's an opinion. Not you're not stating facts at that point. You're not giving. You're not giving yeah. critical evidence. You're giving your opinion. Yeah. Which is fine. Like that's where film criticism starts. Like it all starts with your opinion. Like you can hate Gamera Super Monster. You can hate A Monster's Attack. That's fine. But if you're following, uh, like if you're if you're recognizing your own opinion and your own bias, well then you then you have a chance to take a look at the actual mm -hmm. evidence, uh, and you can actually support your view with evidence instead of just like bashing mm -hmm. a film. Um, just based off 100% your feelings. Like actually take a, take a step back, think about why you don't like something and explain that. Like uh, that's really what it comes down to is an explanation of your likes and yeah. dislikes. And it, and it does not have to be this long, wordy, philosophical explanation. It just has to be something other than uh, is, hyper is hyperbole the, the right word to use here? Okay, it, mm -hmm. it just has to yeah. be something other than hyperbole at that point. It has to be supported by some yeah. measure of facts. Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. And this last credo here is one that Alex and I take very uh -oh. seriously, and it's don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Art criticism <laughs> is always more a reflection of the viewer right. than the artist, right? And, and so... And that is something that, that we take seriously. It's something that I, I really do is, man, I, I don't really know much of anything. Like there's so many people that have more knowledge to offer. There's so many podcasts out there that have so much more mm. to offer in terms of historical Godzilla mm. knowledge. That That's undoubtable, right? right? Um, there's so many I, I could give recommendations for. That's that's not that's not what we're really trying to do on our own show, and and it's not what I try to do. Like that for me, that's not actually the most entertaining show mm -hmm. either. I, I want I want to hear someone's mm -hmm. take on it, right? I, I want to hear why you think the way that you do. That tells me more about you as a person um, 
And it's really just kind of, if you can add your own unique spin and your own unique flavor to something, well, then I'm going to find it interesting. Nobody can do you, but you. And I would encourage everyone to take ourselves just a little bit less seriously, especially in this whole online (laughs) podcasting Twitter sphere. Oh, man. Can I give you, uh, I know you're probably not a real religious man, but can I give you an amen? At, at all of that, uh, uh, yeah. man, you you are just you're 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 speaking hashtag truth at that point. Um, so so yeah, <laughs> um, I think that I think that there are there does come there isn't there is a point where you can get so high on your own opinion that it just that even though. Um, or I should say you get so high on your own knowledge of a particular film or genre that even though you may be correct, it just becomes off-putting to people. Right. Yes. Um, to, and it, to doesn't quote, help. it doesn't help that we're online, you know, like, and, and, and we're, we're trying to express our opinion. That's what, that's what Twitter mm-hmm. is, right? Twitter is, a platform where you are supposed to have a strong mm-hmm. opinion because you you have to in uh, in what is it two hundred eighty characters and le- or less you have to have this strong opinion to express yourself succinctly. You're gonna have to. It's it, it's not a place for nuance. And then usually sometimes what happens is is we put ourselves so much into these opinions into these two hundred eighty characters that we end up becoming more and more these strong mm-hmm. opinions where we might not have started so extreme because we put ourselves out there and we have to be extreme right. to make our point. We end up becoming more extreme <laughs> and that's what happens. You sort of have to become the extreme version of yourself to cut through some of the noise because let's just face it. Twitter is a noisy, noisy place, right? And there's only so much you can yeah. say to in 280 characters. Uh, and I think a lot, you're right about the, I, I like that you said, you mentioned nuance because a lot of the meaning behind someone's tweet gets lost because, you know, there's only so much you can say in, in 280 characters, unless you do like a, a tweet storm, but not everyone reads the whole thread as we've learned before. Um, so, yes. Yeah. And, and also I just think, and this is maybe a little sure. side tangent, but I don't know. I, I, in my, <laughs> my account, I'm not a, I'm not a big social yeah. media user. Um, right. I'm really not. <laughs> and so I, I handle our uh, podcast account and I have my own personal account and on my personal account, I never tweet. <laughs> and my, my podcasting account, I very rarely tweet and it always, it's just always in relation to, Godzilla or Kaiju or monsters. It's just, I, I don't, sometimes we just, we, we get out of, we get out of our realms of, of, of our community. And when you do that, you're setting yourself up. <laughs> you're setting yourself up. Like I, and I'm talking, you know, like in, just in film criticism, like if, if, if we're in this film community, let's, let's talk about film, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. Um, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So I'm going to ask you a tough question. So what you're saying is sort of 
if you're in this, if you're like take Monsters versus Men for a second, for 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 example, there mm-hmm. your your guys' podcasting account. If that's what if you if that's what you came here for, then you're saying it's probably not a great idea to stray away from that into certain areas that could be considered very divisive. That I mean, that's in general where we get that's 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 where I'm at. That's where I'm at, and, and it's something that's that's a position that pleases mm-hmm. nobody, right. honestly. Um, because there's always somebody that wants wants you to say more, wants you to mm-hmm. say less. It, to me, it's just better to like stick with what I'm doing. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I like we all have lives outside of our Twitter handles. On Twitter, all we are is we're we're talking mm-hmm. heads, we're avatars. We're equating. We're equating believing and speaking with action, right? And and what I tweet does not define who I am or the actions that I'm taking as a human being on this side of the screen. Um, they, right. It just doesn't. Uh, I have a whole I, I have a whole life and a whole career and a whole mm. uh, mission of my life outside of mm. you know Twitter. And, and, and sometimes it's just, it just feels like whenever I'm, if I, if I say too much or if I'm saying too little, it's just all feels like this show that we're trying yeah. to put on to show how it's vir- righteous well, it's, that it's we can for become what it is, or, yeah, it, it's just, and it's not just that it is virtue signaling, but, um, and, and virtue signaling, like you can be like, if, if you, if you are always talking about these things mm-hmm. all, all the time. Like, that's great. Like, like, honestly, like you, I'm sure. cool with that. Like, and honestly, like when, when we're talking about these, these big issues mm-hmm. of the day, I, sure. I am on board 100%. But at the same time, it's like, if I, if I say something and I've never said anything before about any other issue of the day, <laughs> um, it doesn't feel genuine at that point. What, what it doesn't feel genuine. It's like, and, and the community doesn't need me to say yeah. anything. Um, you should, you know, if you've, if you listen to our show, you, you, you know, the type of people, or you, you know, a little bit better, the type of people we are than just, just our mm-hmm. Twitter handle. Um, right. So I, it is, it is tricky. It is tricky to navigate, but I think there's a way to do it and there's, there's a way to not do it. And, and we just have to be, be smart and we have to be willing to enter that dialogue with people um, outside of Twitter in, in our mm-hmm. real lives. that That's the key for me and, and what I continually right. try to right. do. And I think, yeah, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. It's just, we're more than just our avatars, right? I mean, we're real people. Uh, we're real people with real lives. And what we do, uh, what we do outside of just this fandom is what really actually matters uh, as my dad would say, you know, our, our actions speak louder than our words. Yeah. And I think that you guys show that. Yeah. I think that you, I think the, I think y'all's actions, um, both online and offline show that you deserve to be considered some pillars in this community. I, I aim to be somebody that, 
um, is honestly here for you, right? That is like, we want to be a podcast that, that is here for you. That is consistent. I, the one thing I would say about our podcast, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm bragging about it for a second is we have, we are coming up on a, our year anniversary from releasing uh-huh. episode one. And since that year anniversary, we've released an episode every single Monday since that first, first yeah. episode. And we haven't we haven't missed a week, um, and I think that comes down to honestly Alex and I's friendship. But at the same time, like it's also we know like people that listen to us. It, it's it is it's like that. It comes back all the way to the beginning of our conversation where it, it comes back to comfort food. Like we we are there for people. Um, not that our podcast is going to be there for people forever, obviously, but in this moment. You know, like we are here for our listeners that will expect us to have a podcast every Monday and are, you know, want to listen to us on their, their drive into work mm-hmm. on Monday morning. Um, we're here for you on, on Twitter, like whoever, if you're wanting to talk and have a conversation, there's not a single person that sends us a message request or start, tries to have a conversation. We're like, uh, yeah, uh, not you, man. Uh, <laughs> that's just not us. Like we, we want to have those conversations and we want to open this community up so that we have all these sorts of community, all these sorts of conversations with all aspects of the community. We're not, we don't want to uh, limit ourselves in any way, shape or form with the conversations that we're having. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I it's, it's fantastic. And I think, you know, this has been a really, um, I had high hopes for this conversation anyway, but this has exceeded those expectations. I will say that. So thank you. First, you know, thank you so much for, for having this conversation with me. It was a real pleasure. But before we wrap this up, I do have sure. one little portion of this that I was, that I want to touch on <clears throat> uh, because on Twitter, I did ask some of our friends to submit to us some questions, Right. Uh, I wanted I okay. wanted to do sort of an AMA style with you, uh, so that folks can get to know you just a little bit better. So if you've got a few, if you've got a few more minutes okay. to spend with me, we can we can go through yeah. those. Okay. Let's do, it. Uh, Let's do it. So, so this first one comes from Nathan, and it says, "Also, as one lit nerd slash teacher to another, is Moby Dick a kaiju? Why or why not?" Uh, I would say that well, this gets into our this gets into a whole definition of what is a kaiju, but um, yes, I think Moby Dick is a kaiju, but I never would have called it a kaiju before I knew what a kaiju was. So I would never would have called it. I never would have called it a kaiju before this year. <laughs> Um, so I, I think size, scale, and uniqueness, it, it checks all the boxes for me. So I would definitely call it a kaiju, but is it, would I generally say like most people would call it a kaiju? No. Okay. Uh, the next question we got was from our friend David and it says, okay. what film Artur would you like to see tackle a giant monster film? Hmm. 
that that that's a tough question. That's a tough question because, I mean, you've got and and also you have to think about well, what would I consider an auteur, <laughs> as David right. uses that word. Um, so and you got to think about someone like, I think you got to think about someone like Jordan Peele. Um, but you also have to think is is uh, he might even be a little mainstream to to call him an auteur and maybe too obvious of a choice um so uh, i there are a couple of people that come to mind i think one is uh this director jeff nichols um jeff nichols he directed some really low budget character driven dramas um take shelter mud shotgun stories most of them have michael shannon in him and but he 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 recently directed i think his latest film well he he directed loving was his latest film i believe and then uh there was this there was a sci-fi film he directed called midnight special is that right and, which i didn't like i actually didn't like his first array uh foray is that the word foray. Is it foray? <laughs> into there we go foray foray yeah into um I didn't enjoy his first foray into science fiction okay. films. But if you're looking for something like a kaiju film that could bring mm-hmm. character drama into a bigger story into and also with like this this sense of of potential mm-hmm. dread <laughs> um he would be a great choice. Another great choice would be Trey Edward Schultz. Um, recently he released this movie called waves, um, which is not in, it's not a Kaiju film by any means. But before that he released another movie called it comes at night. Um, I believe it's called, and, and that's another film where I think it would end up more focused on the humans than the monsters, but I think that would be okay. And it would just add tension. And then one last one, I know I'm cheating here, but I think I would say um, there's a Korean director, Lee Chang Dong Mm -hmm. is his name. And he did this movie burning and he's done this movie poetry. He would bring kind of this off the wall element like Guillermo del Toro, uh-huh. would, right? Uh, like someone that is just really creative. You're not sure what you're going to get and you don't know what you're going to, like you don't know what to expect in the film. Uh, so those are three thoughts of filmmakers that I would consider modern day okay. auteurs. Let me ask you really quickly, as you were naming off all of those fantastic uh, artists there, it, it really made me think for a second. What, in your opinion, what would mm-hmm. an Adam Sandler directed kaiju film look like? Michael, <laughs> Michael, Michael. <laughs> you know, you know my disdain. <laughs> you know my disdain for Adam Sandler as an actor. I can't even imagine him. He is, in fact, a director. And let he me let me just let me just let me just clear the air real quick with Adam Sandler. Okay, <laughs> I think the reason I here's the reason I don't love Adam Sandler, and the reason I am not his biggest defender 
is because I think he actually has a whole lot of talent. Um, and I think he squanders <laughs> that talent um, by making less than mediocre films over and over again to get a paycheck. But that's wow. just my two cents. That is that is probably the most snobbish answer I think I've heard in a while. <laughs> and I know you are Adam Sandler I, fan. Well, okay, I, I can. I, you love you love uh, Adam Adam Sandler's filmography uh, of the past ten years. I, I, I know you, Michael. I, it is a guilty pleasure. I will have to admit. I have to admit that. Um, so speaking of snobbishness, um, Nathan also wanted to know what film have you seen that, that you could be the most snobbish about? Well, I think this sets me like, just like the Adam Sandler setup where you set me up to be a bad guy. (laughs) Now every Adam Sandler fan that listens to your podcast is going to despise me now. Um, I, I did watch I did watch an Adam Sandler movie recently. I thought it was great. It was it was called the Meyerowitz story mm-hmm. stories. Definitely recommend it. It's on sure. Netflix. Check it out. Um, but the film snob question sets me up to be a bad guy because I, th- I don't think your film were really film snobs about good films. The film snobs are called film snobs because they look down upon what they consider uh-huh. bad films. <laughs> um. So I, I will turn the tables a little bit on Nathan and say that I will be a film snob by saying everyone should love a specific movie. And I think everybody in our fandom that likes genre films should like the movie Children of Men. Have I seen Children have of not Men? seen it. I have heard it. Uh, I, I, I've heard of it, but I've not okay. seen it yet. And, you know, speaking, speaking of Children of Men, though, a little birdie told me that your taste in good movies came from the moment that your best friend Alex showed you that movie. That, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, uh, Alex would take, <laughs> Alex would love, Alex would love to take credit for my exquisite taste in film, but that's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Alex doesn't even like most of the films that I like. So (laughs) he did. I will give Alex credit for introducing me Mm -hmm. to that movie Mm -hmm. specifically, but that's about all the credit that he gets. That's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. And speaking of Alex, uh, another question we got from our good friend, David says, and most importantly, how much would it take, to kick Alex from the podcast. Um, I, I mean, it wouldn't take much. <laughs> are, are you offering? Well, you and I would have to line up on <laughs> on some films, specifically some Heisei films, before I would consider it. But i I would not write oh, off. Okay. I wouldn't write yeah. it off. I I understand. I understand. I I try not. To. I know which film you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And it it is probably my least favorite Godzilla film, but that's okay. It's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, the worst Godzilla film, the worst Heisei film of them all. Uh, It's okay, Michael. We we can agree to disagree there. And in all seriousness, 
if Alex wasn't the co-host of the podcast, there just there mm-hmm. wouldn't be a podcast. So he does he does so much uh, of the legwork on our podcast that honestly, like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen okay. without him. Well, uh, I've just got a few more questions, but the next one comes in from uh, your friend Corey, which goes by the name uh, Gojira Twenty Seven Noir on Twitter. And Corey mm-hmm. simply asks, the bigger question is, why is the better half not the one that goes on first? And I think this is probably a question for me. Well, Corey, simply because Eric accepted my invitation first. We, we have talked about this. We've talked about having this conversation we for have. a while now. We so absolutely we have. I, uh, I think it was simply just, I was talking with Alex the other day. And I, I think it was just, the subject, the subject matter that I wanted to talk to you about was more, a little bit more specific than maybe what I could talk to Alex about. I'm still trying to figure out the topic for him and I to discuss, but Corey, I will have Alex on this show. Uh, the next one comes from our friend Henry and he said, he asks, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <sighs> Henry. <laughs> Henry, he knows, he knows I'm not a biology guy. And so he is just trying to trip me up and I will not take the bait on that one. I do not know Henry and I do not pretend to know. So I will uh, not, I will not pretend to be, be knowledgeable about something that I am completely ignorant about. Um, Henry, I'm going to ask you a question. Is it an African or a European swallow? So when you answer that, yeah. it that does make a huge, make a huge difference. difference. Yeah. A huge difference. So when you can answer that, then maybe Eric and I will answer. Yeah. Then maybe I could then maybe I could answer your question. Until then, though, you no. Know, I mean, you got to be more specific. Right. Henry. Exactly. Exactly. Come on. Come on, Henry. Get it together. We know you can as a kaiju fan, you can do better. Um, <laughs> so a couple more. David said, David asks, uh, did, did Manila breastfeed or was it strictly on the bottle or was he strictly on the bottle? Oh man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) we, uh, there is not something too much information on this podcast apparently. So I was going to say that we are a strictly uh, breastfeeding a family. So in our household, Manila probably was a breastfeeder. Okay. All right. Uh, anonymous. It says anonymous. I don't know who, I don't know who anonymous is, uh, but is it true that ping pong playa is your favorite comedy film of all time? <laughs> Ping <laughs> it's one it's one of them and I, uh i oh boy <laughs> yeah ping pong player i have not i have not watched that movie since probably 2009 with i've never seen it alex never seen it so that anonymous question seems very specific from a very anonymous person. A very anonymous and very suspicious person. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Um, 
So the last question is, uh, and this one is from David. He says, so I heard y'all are getting the Kendrick brothers on your show to discuss your favorite film, Fireproof. Is this true? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Fireproof. If you want to talk about a movie that I can be an absolute film Mm -hmm. snob about, it's... uh, I have seen Fireproof. That's the thing. I have seen Fireproof. I disapprove of Fireproof, but not as much as I disagree with God's Not Dead and God's Not Dead 2. And I guess there's a God's Not Dead 3 potentially. Those movies can burn <laughs> for so many so many reasons. Oh boy. Uh, to, to be fair, I had to ask, I had to make sure that Fireproof was the movie that I was thinking of. This is the one where Fireproof is the movie, if, if, I'm, if I'm correct. It's the movie where the firefighter has a porn addict or porn, porn addiction and, and has it's to fight for his Cameron marriage. Movie. Is this correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kirk Cameron, Left Behind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have seen way too many Kirk Cameron movies in my life, just to let you know. I've seen um, – <laughs> I'm right there with you. And as a as a as a – evangelical Christian myself, even I cringe at some of them. Well, what I'm, oh, I'm telling you, man, as, as an evangelical Christian yourself, God's not dead is probably the worst testimony <laughs> that, that evangelical Christianity has going for it right now. So. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So maybe, maybe this conversation deserves a part two. I'm not quite sure yet. All I know is that I'm – about to get a bunch of hate mail from Adam Sandler and God's Not Dead fans. That's all the all the, ev- the evangelical Christian Godzilla Twitter is about oh to light me up, and uh, because there are it. there are there are some of us out there, there are. So Eric, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. It was it was a pleasure for sure. Um, yeah, you absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, for man. sure, for sure. It went a little bit longer than I wanted it to. I know me. you're a little bit, in all seriousness, I know that you're a family man. You're, you're a little tight for time, but I really do appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Yeah, so before we go, do you uh, want to do any shameless plugs? Well, I've, I, we have talked about my podcast, I think, plenty uh, <laughs> on your show if this is the first time you've ever heard of us though yeah check it check it out monsters versus men um you can find us on twitter at mvm underscore pod on instagram at the same handle um yeah we'd love to hear from you once again we are a very consistent podcast that uh loves to just talk about giant monsters and look at them in new and interesting ways we yeah have. for sure it's uh it's been a it's been a really interesting ride listening to you guys over the last year. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So uh, until next time, dear listener, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Groupie Podcast, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton using redcircle.com. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to continue this conversation, please email me directly at kaijugroupiepod at gmail.com. Also, 
Follow us on social media by joining the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, on Twitter at Kaiju Groupie Pod, and on Instagram at The Kaiju Groupie. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you find your favorite giant monster podcasts. Also, please take a moment to rate and review the show. This will help spread the word to other Kaiju and Tokusatsu fans, and if you do, I promise I'll read your comments on the next episode. All film, audio clips, and graphics belong to their respective copyright holders with no infringement being intended or implied. So until next time, I'm Michael, the Kaiju Groupie, signing off. (laughs) 